so glad that you guys are here and that you joined us on this really cold Sunday when we're going to serve you ice cream to warm you up. Um, there was once a young shepherd boy and he was getting bored watching his sheep. And so he decided he was going to travel partway down the mountain and, uh, and, and he wanted to, to just kind of bring some excitement into his life. And so he decided to yell down to the village, wolf, wolf, wolf. And the villagers came running up and they, to their dismay and slight frustration, discovered that there was no wolf, that he was just trying to get some excitement in his life. And so the, the young boy, he, he realized how effectively that worked, how great that was that he had all this excitement during that day. And so the next day he got bored again and he decided to do the same thing. And he, he ran down the mountain and he yelled, wolf, wolf, wolf. And the villagers somewhat more hesitantly, but they ran, they grabbed all their stuff and they ran up to defend the sheep from this wolf that was not there. And they got there and they were a little bit more frustrated, a little bit more uh, uh, upset at this young shepherd boy uh, who had tricked them a second time. Well, of course, as you know, the story goes, the third day comes along and the shepherd boy is sitting there. He's starting to get bored and thinking, what am I going to do? This trick is getting old. And a real wolf shows up, comes out of the woods and starts attacking the sheep. And the shepherd boy yells out, wolf, wolf, wolf. And the villagers ignore him because obviously he has tricked them. He's duped them. So many times already they said, oh, he's just trying to get some excitement. He's going up there. There's not an actual wolf. And of course, the wolf makes a very nice, hearty meal out of many of the sheep. And the moral of the story, of course, is what? Don't lie. <laughs> Don't trick people and then expect to get something different from them when something really comes up that you need. So I tell that story because today we start a brand new series called Parable, Small Story, Big Idea. That's basically what the, the boy who cried wolf story is, isn't it? It's a short little story, but it's making a huge point. How we are supposed to live our lives or how we are not supposed to live our lives. And so for the next six weeks, we are going to look at six stories that Jesus himself told he actually told about 50, uh, just a little shy of 50 parables in the Bible that Jesus himself told. And they're just really short stories that he came up with to in really impact us with a huge point, a great big principle. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start that. The story for today uh, is found in Matthew chapter 13. If you'd like to follow along on your phones, uh, on your Bible app, or on your own Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. That's where we're going to be today. And sorry, I apologize ahead of time for my throat, my voice. It's a little raspy, a little bit hard um, today. So you can thank my children for sharing that with me um, uh, last week. And, and here we go. But in Matthew chapter 13, we have Jesus is there on the edge of a lake. The lake is called the Sea of Galilee. We don't know exactly where on the shore it was. The Bible does not tell us, but we know he was on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, this freshwater lake in northern Israel. He's there with his disciples. Um, we don't know if this is what it looked like. This is the part of the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, this freshwater lake in Israel. Uh, but this gives you an idea of kind of what it looks like there in northern Israel. 
And he was on the, uh, on the shore, and he's there with his disciples. And, and I want you to imagine with me that they're going down there just to kind of relax, to hang out for a bit. But they can't because there's a whole bunch of people that hear Jesus is down there. And so they, a whole bunch of people from different towns gather because they want to hear Jesus preach. They want to hear him teach about himself and about God. And so they show up, and so Jesus is going to start telling some stories, and we're going to look at one story that he tells on the shore of that lake uh, and kind of see this. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 1 on the edge of this lake. Here we go. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake, the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, some seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. This is a very strong and very powerful story. And really what it's talking about is talking about four groups of people. Four groups of people, four uh, orientations or attitudes. And you saw that he's talking about seeds and he's talking about soil a lot. The seed represents the word of God. It represents this, the truth of what God has given to us. The truth of his word, the truth of his message, his principles, and how we want to live. That's the seed that Jesus is talking about. The soil is not actually earthly soil, although that's what he talks about in the story. He's talking about you and I. You and I are the soil. We are either good soil or a rocky soil or we're the footpath or we're among thorns. And so Jesus says you are one of these four kind of orientations. This is our openness to God. That's what this story is talking about. Jesus is talking about some of you are kind of like a footpath. Some of you are more like uh, seed that fell on rocky soil. Some of us are like uh, the, the seed that fell among thorns. And some of us are like the good soil. And he's talking about our orientation, our, our attitude, our openness toward God. What is our openness toward God? What is our soil the soil of our heart, the soil of our mind, the soil of our soul toward God. What is our attitude toward God? That's what this story is really talking about. So when we hear the word of God, it could be preached on Sunday morning. It could be you hear it on the radio uh, as you're driving to work. It could be that you're listening to the word of God at home. Maybe you're reading it off your, off your Bible app on your phone or in, in your home or before bed. Whatever it is, but when God impresses the truth of his word on you, when God presses his message for you, for your heart, your openness is the soil. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, Jesus goes on. He has a quick dialogue with his disciples. We're not going to get into that because that's a whole other message. But he has a quick dialogue with his disciples. And then, jumping down to verse 18, he tells, he actually explains this story to us. So I want to read this. It's a great explanation. 
This is what Jesus says. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. So Jesus explains this to all the people there. He gives an explanation of, of what is really going on. What does this story actually mean? And he goes in and he talks about these four groups of people. And I want to just talk about very quickly. We're going to fly right through these because I don't want to really hang out on the soil all that much. Because uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that toward the end of the message. Um, but I want to just talk about the four groups of people. The first group is the, the ones who fell on the footpath. These are the people that, that the, the word of God hits them. They hear it, but they don't want to understand it. Now, now Jesus says they, they don't understand it but, it, but it's not because they don't get it, because they're not smart enough. You understand? This is not because they're not smart enough. It's because they don't want it. They don't want to understand it. Have you ever learned? This is math for me. Okay? Math would be like that for me. I don't want to understand math. You can teach math to me all day. I'd rather not know. I don't want to hear anything about math. This is the way I've always been. I think I will always be. You te start teaching me about the equations, and this is when you apply this equation, and I say, I don't care. You know? It's probably why, yeah, there you go. Can I get an amen? I've got a few of you with me. There it is. That's what I'm talking about. All right? Yeah, because we, we just don't do that. And so that's what this is. This is what the people that hear the word of God, but they want nothing to do with it. They have no passion for it at all. They just don't want to hear it. And so they don't want to understand it. Therefore, they won't understand it. So that's the first group. The second group are the ones that fall among rocky soil. These are the people that hear God's word and they accept it. They believe it. But then they do nothing beyond that to cultivate their relationship with God. They never, they never read the Bible for themselves or they never pray on their own or they, they never you know, uh, schedule time to talk with other believers and other followers of Christ and, and really cultivate or, or really nurture that new relationship that they have with God. They accept God's truth, but they never take it another step to really deepen their faith to deepen their relationship with God. And God says, this is like falling on rocky soil and, and it's going to take root, but the root is so shallow that anything comes along, problems, persecution, and it's just swept away. And then they no longer have God's word and truth really impacting their life. So that may, that's some people. And then there's a third group of people that Jesus specifically talks about. He says, these people, these are the ones that, that the seed falls among thorns. 
And this is a little different. It seems like second and third group are the same thing, but they're slightly different. The third group are the ones, they fall among thorns. And, and it's not necessarily problems, but it could be good things in this life. Things that are not bad in and of themselves, but just good things, but that we just fill our lives up. You guys have heard me talk about this many times, so we're not going to stay here very long. But this is, this is talking about people who we hear God's word, we believe in Jesus, we believe that we should have a relationship with him, but we allow the lure of wealth and the lure of our career and the lure of our family and lure of ice cream Sundays or, you know, whatever the case is. Studying math, I can't imagine that that would ever be it. But we all allow the lure of the busyness of our day and the busyness of our week, the busyness of our lives to just drown God out. Have you ever felt like, you know, you're here on Sunday morning, yeah, I, I need to get in deeper with God. I need to drive my relationship. But then you get into the week and you just, you get to the next Sunday and you go, man, I, I didn't do it again. I didn't do anything for God. Right? You get to the end of the week, you're like, I didn't even think about it. Hardly at all. That's kind of what Jesus is talking about, that we just drown it out with all the weeds and all the thorns. And then he goes on and he explains the fourth type of, uh, or group of people. Really, it's not a type of person, it's a group of people. And he says, they are the ones who are ready to hear God's word. They accept it, and then they want to drive those roots so deep that no storm is going to take it out. He's talking about the good soil. I want to look at verse 23 again. Take a look at verse 23 again. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. This is what Jesus desires for you and I. He so longs for us to have this kind of soil in our heart. That we are wide open, that our, that our soul, that our heart, that our mind is wide open to him and to his leading and his guidance. So that he can do what he needs to do in us and through us. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He is saying, this is where we need to be. We could have all kinds of soil in our life. All kinds of soil that, that could prepare us and be, we could be ready for God. But this is the kind of soil, good soil, is where you are ready to receive whatever God has for you and accept it and then run with it. The best example that I can give of this is um, I want you to think about this. This is God's desire for us, right? This is what God truly, like if there's anything that God wants, he wants us to be wide open to him with arms as wide as they can no barriers, nothing in our way, and just saying, God, do with me what you want to do, even if I don't like it. If you want me to learn math, God, I will learn math. Let me just say, God has not asked me to learn a lot of math. I'm thankful for that, but he has asked me to do a lot of other things that I was uncomfortable doing. I'm going to be doing a little bit of that actually at the end of the message. But God says, I want you to be wide open to me. And he has, I want you to have the best soil possible so that I can just work because I have some amazing things for you. I have amazing power for you. And the best example I can give of that, I want you to think of somebody or some people that you care about the most in this world. That you care about the deepest. That you have the most love for. 
I want you to get those people in your mind. And I want you to think, I want you to really just kind of take on your heart and mind that you have the best advice for them that you could ever have. The best nugget of information, of principle that you could ever give to those people that you love more than anything. And you're going to impart that to them. You know where I'm going with this? And you are going to sit them down and you're going to sit down over coffee. Or if it's one of your children, you're going to sit down over ice cream, probably, if it's my children. And you're going to impart this amazing advice. You know it's going to impact them. It's going to move them. It's going to drive how good their relationships are. It's going to drive how successful they are. It's going to make their life unbelievable. It's not your opinion. It's time-tested advice for thousands of years. You know this will serve them well. You know this will serve them well. And so you sit down and you're going to impart this advice to you. Let me ask you this. What would your desire for that person be? Would you want them to hear it? Would you want them to hear it fully? But you want them to do more than hear it, don't you? If you impart that to the person that you love beyond all love, that you just, you can't even express how much you love that person, and you give them advice that you know will impact them forever, you want them to not only hear it, but you want them to literally take it on in their life, don't you? You want them to run with it. You want them to take it and, and, and it becomes ingrained in their psyche, ingrained in their heart, ingrained on their mind, so that that advice that you give them, that will serve them well for the rest of their days. Isn't that what you would desire for them? That they would not just hear it, but that they would run with it, that they would take it on themselves. That's exactly what God wants with us. That's exactly how God feels with us. He loves us so much that he wants us not only to hear God's word on a Sunday morning, he wants us to to put it on, to literally allow it to change us, to move us, to shake us up so that we're not the same. And sometimes God says, We've got too much of the same. I want you to hear my word, but I want you to actually allow it to move you and change you. And this is the kind of soil that God is talking about. Soil that will move and change us. And so the question becomes, how do we produce that kind of soil in our life? If you would say, I do want that. Some of you are saying you don't want that. Be honest with yourself. That's okay. Just know where you're at. But some of you, you're saying, yes, I want that in my life. I want God to move me and impact me, change me completely from the inside out. And if you do, the question becomes, how do you do that? And the answer is, there's no easy answer, but the answer is you need to prepare. You need to prepare. Think about any big thing, any important thing in your life. Uh, I know when Laura and I were planning on getting married, you know how long we planned for that thing? You know, that thing lasted for less than an hour and we planned for months for that thing. You know, you could be talking about an anniversary. You could be talking about a a huge interview. If there's a job that you want to interview for, aren't you going to research that company like crazy? You're going to find everything else uh, out you can about it. You're going to discover what that position looks like, what it means for you to take that job. And you're going to you're going to study. You're going to prepare like crazy for that thing. Because it's, you're passionate about it. 
It's the same way with God. God is huge. God is unbelievable in what he wants to do with us, through us, and in us. But what it means is we need to prepare. We need to prepare ourselves for him. We need to prepare the soil of our heart, of our souls. Obviously, you know I'm going somewhere with this. Um, This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. I don't know if anybody knew that. And this is actually, to be honest, Lent and Ash Wednesday and all this stuff is not something that that in, in our tradition, we, we really have a special service and we mark it and say, okay, we're going to have this massive service. We're going to commemorate this. and all that kind of stuff. We don't necessarily do that. But Ash Wednesday is important. And it's important because it simply begins. It marks the beginning of a season called Lent. And so this Wednesday, Wednesday is the first day of Lent. And, uh, and to just put it very simply, Lent is a season of about six weeks, about 40 days, in which it is only and simply and truly a time of preparation for us. A time for us to prepare ourselves to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and to celebrate his resurrection from the grave. It's a six-week preparation time for us to prepare the soil of our life to allow God to do what he's going to do. And, he, and it could be, he, the sky's the limit for what God wants to do in us. But it's our time to prepare. So this begins the season of Lent. So the reason I bring that up is because what I want to do is I want to offer three challenges. These are three challenges that God has laid on my heart. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with these challenges. I'm going to tell you what they are in a minute. But I want to give you three challenges that I believe all of us, if we are willing, should take on starting Wednesday. Three challenges if we are truly going to prepare ourselves for God to do whatever he's going to do in our hearts, in our lives. These are three challenges that I think will help. They will not do it for us. Only God can do this. But I believe they will help get us there. It will also help prepare the soil, I believe. And again, these are things that God has laid on my heart. Uh, and this was months ago that God laid this on my heart, actually, these challenges. Months and months ago. And I'm just sharing them with you now because I believe this is the right timing. So these are the three challenges. Let's do the first one. The first one is give up something of value. This could be far and wide. This could be, the sky's the limit on this. I don't know what this is going to mean for you. I'll tell you what it means for me in a minute. But this could be giving up a daily coffee. <laughs> oh, liquid gold for some of you. I know, because I've seen you in the morning. No, I'm just, I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Uh, I know because some of you have said, I need my coffee in the morning. If you saw me in the morning, you'd know I should take up drinking coffee. <laughs> Give up something of value. This could be TV. This could be Facebook. Ouch. That one could, that one could hurt. This could, be, uh, this could be, like I said, your daily coffee. It could be all kinds of things that would be of value to you that is not necessarily something that's necessary for your life, but you just love it. You indulge in it because it just makes your life better. You, you just, you get it, you get it. And it's giving something of value to create. What are you trying to do? You're trying to create time. You're trying to create space. You're maybe even trying to create money. Create an extra little lump sum of money that you can do something with. 
I'll tell you, like I said, I'm, I, I, and before I share this, I, the only reason I'm sharing with you what I'm doing for my challenges is because I, I want you to be very careful. I do not want you to do what I'm doing because I said I'm doing this. You hear me? I don't want you to do this because I said this is what I'm doing. I think potentially God is going to ask you to do some of the similar things that I'm doing, though. So if God tells you to do this, then do it. But don't do it because I said that I'm doing it. Does that make sense? The one that I have decided to give up, and this may seem like a small thing to you guys, but it's going to be kind of big to me. Uh, what, I, what I know God has told me to give up is he told me to give up TV for six weeks. Completely. Now, the one thing I'm going to allow, side note, because we have our big March Madness party and we do our March Madness tournament and all stuff, I'm going to watch the Badgers play. But it's going to be to the tune of just, you know, a couple of hours here, a couple hours there. It's going to be pretty minimal. But let me tell you that this is going to free up unbelievable hours in my life. Because Laura and I, we have our shows that we enjoy watching together. That's kind of what we do. But God was very clear. He said, give it up. You don't need it. You spend hours every evening doing it. And so I'm telling you, my dramas and my sitcoms and the reality shows or whatever it is that we watch and even all the other sports stuff other than March Madness, I'm going to give it up. I'm not going to watch TV starting Wednesday for six weeks other than just those couple of March Madness games. I'm telling you that. And what's awesome is my wife is very supportive of that, and she's going to do that with me. I didn't ask her to do that. She just told me the other day she's going to do that with me. She's going to give up her shows as well. And we're just going to, we're going to give our time to God. So give up something of value. That's the first challenge. The second challenge, pick up a spiritual discipline. Understand that the whole reason you're going to give up something of value is to put something else of higher value in its place. Does that make sense? Just sacrificing your time or your money is great. That's a great start. But you do that in order to add something of greater value. That's the whole point. You know, there are some traditions that give things up for Lent. Like I said, our tradition, we don't traditionally just focus on that much. You know, there are some traditions that that's what they do every year. They give up red meat. They give up, you know, whatever the case is. And that's fine. But the whole point of giving something up is so that we can add something in to our lives that's more valuable. And so for you guys, for example, if you decided to give up your daily coffee, that's not only going to free up time for you to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get it, but it's also going to free up 3 to $4 per day for six weeks. Add that up, and that becomes a decent amount of money, even if you added, decide to add a little to that. And you could bless somebody very generously with something, couldn't you? By giving up just one coffee per day. Just a thought. Again, I'm not saying you need to do that. That's an example. For Laura and I, we're going to give up TV, and so we're going to have hours <laughs> each day in our evening. And so what I know God has asked me to do is he has asked me to read the word. Now, I'm not going to read it for necessarily three hours every evening, but I'm going to use a good portion of that time, and I'm going to dig into the Word of God. Now, this is in addition to the time that I already spend in the Word. I spend time in the Word every day. This is not like I just move the time from the morning to the evening. I'm like, thanks, God. I like doing it in the evening anyway. 
No, 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 no. You do what you're doing now, keep that spiritual discipline, and you add this one in. And so I'm just telling you, this is how it's working out in my life. This is how God has impacted me on this. Give up something of value, but then pick up a spiritual discipline. It might be increased prayer time. If you don't pray throughout the day, throughout the week, then maybe you say, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes every day. I'm going to do that for six weeks. I'm just going to do that. Maybe you're going to read the word. Laura picked up. She actually took my advice the other day. It's a miracle. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, she, she actually, a few weeks ago, she said, hey, I, I turned on the Bible. And I just listened to it instead of reading it, like you said. She told me this. I was like, man, this is awesome. And, and she listened to it while she was just doing some stuff in the kitchen. And, and she said, I picked up so much stuff that I didn't know was in the Bible before. She, just by listening to it. Maybe that's your spiritual discipline. Maybe if you don't like reading, maybe you will just commit to listen to the word of God for 15, 20 minutes, for half an hour, every day, for six weeks. Pick up a spiritual discipline. Do something. Don't be scared of it. Hey? Just allow God to work. And then the third challenge is I want you to invite somebody into the mix with you. Invite someone to prepare with you. This is maybe the hardest one for us. Maybe you can invite somebody to pray with you. Maybe you can invite somebody to read the word with you. This would be kind of funny. I think, you know, at first it'd be weird, but then it would get normal. But invite somebody in and say, hey, I'm going to listen to the word of God for half an hour uh, every day, or we're going to listen for an hour every other day or, or a couple of times throughout the week. And, and I want you just to listen to the word with me. Would you do that? Maybe you do it at work over a lunch hour and you go and find a room and you put on some headphones and you invite somebody else to do it with you. Oh, I know you guys are like, you're making me squirm. Yes, I am. And that's what God wants to do. He wants you to squirm a bit because if we don't squirm, then it's too comfortable for us. We're not going to change. Well, you know that change is uncomfortable, isn't it? So invite somebody into you. Maybe the, you could consider this. This would be the easiest one in my mind anyway, because I inviting people to read the Bible with me, inviting people to pray with me, I always get a little bit of, you want me to do what? <laughs> little, hmm? Maybe it's as simple as just invite them to come to church with you. That's probably the easiest one. Just invite them to come to church with you. And guess what? What I think will happen is God will open the heart for you. I truly believe that. Maybe invite somebody just to come to church with you. Tell them you'll pick them up. Right? Tell them you'll just pick them up. Tell them you'll meet them at the door. That's usually what I do if it's somebody new that is not. By the way, inviting these people in, most of these people, these should be people on your heart and mind that aren't connected to God already. Right? I mean, we're not, we're not looking to find somebody that goes to this great church and say, hey, we want you to come to Northridge. Although we've had some people come here, that's great. But really our heart is we want to connect people to God. Especially people who are not connected to God. Their soil's never been open to God. So I want you to consider who that would be. Maybe it's one person, maybe it's several people. I've already wrestled with myself with who that's going to be. Uh, I'm going to be inviting people. I just, I promise that to you. I will be doing that as well. I'm doing this with you. God laid this on my heart months ago. 
So now what I want to just share with you for just a, another minute, I'm going to go a little off script. There's nothing on my paper. It's white. It's blank. And, um, and this, is, this, is going to, this is going to be weird for some of you. I'll be honest. This is going to be weird for you. This is kind of weird for me. Okay? This is where I'm telling you I'm getting out of my comfort zone, way out of my comfort zone. And I'm, I'm probably going to be emotional. I'm already emotional now. I'm going to try to get through this. And I, I put on Facebook that I wanted to share something special with you guys. And, and the reason I'm going to do it, it's nothing new that we're going to do at Northridge. It's not a new ministry. It's not a new service or anything like that. This is something that God did in me this last week. And it's something that's brand new for me. And I'm going to share this. And I don't want to share this, to be honest, because it's uncomfortable for me to do so. But I know beyond all doubt that God wanted me to share this with you. This last week, Laura and I were down in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, and we were at a conference down in Atlanta. And the conference was awesome. It was just great. But it started Monday night, and we flew into Atlanta, and we, we traveled to, uh, from the airport to, the, to the, uh, the leadership center where they had this huge conference. And we went to the conference. The conference that night was great. And uh, Laura and I had planned to set up a house to stay at. Uh, her name was June. And uh, it's actually the mother of one of Laura's best friends in college. And so she was just ready to welcome us into her home. And we stayed there to save money on hotel costs. Um, and we talked with June for just a little while, catching up on life, laughed a lot, cried a little bit. It was a good time. And then uh, Laura and I turned in for the night. And Laura went to bed, and she kind of fell asleep. And so I crawled into bed, and I pulled out my computer, and I was going to... I had already planned out this message that I just shared with you. I just, I just shared with you the message that God gave to me last week, really. And, and I wrote, actually, most of it on the plane <laughs> on the way from Chicago down to Atlanta. And, um, and, and so I was going to just kind of put some more thoughts into it and kind of organize it a little bit, start writing it out. But God didn't let me do it. I was sitting there, and I, you know when you get writer's block? It was not writer's block. It was spiritual, like... God said, stop. Just stop for a minute. And, uh, and I'd heard this song a couple of weeks before this. Um, and I didn't know what the song was. I did a search, and it took me a while. I was finding all these songs. I was like, ah, that's a great song, but I, that's not the song. You know, and I did another search. No, that's not the song. And I finally, I almost gave up, but I finally found the song. It was the last time I was going to do the search. I found it. It was the, the song called Overwhelmed by Daddy Weave, Big Daddy Weave. They've been playing it all the time on the radio. Like, I hear it everywhere now. Before, it wasn't even on my radar. And uh, I started playing this song, and for the next hour and a half, and I'm just telling you, this is weird for me, because I'm not used to it. And it's weird for me to tell you in person, like out loud. It was hard for me to tell Laura, my wife. But God just started messing me up. He started working on my heart, and he said, Brent, I know, I think you love me. I know you're serving me. I know that you're leading a church. I know you're doing all this stuff, but I need you to, do, I need you to go to another level. Brent, I need you to be overwhelmed by me. I don't need you to be overwhelmed by life. I don't need you to be overwhelmed by your schedule. I need you to be overwhelmed by me, is what he said. 
In fact, I put, you know, I, I, I put aside the, the, the sermon and I started just typing, I need to be overwhelmed by God's love, by his grace, by, by your power. I need to be overwhelmed by you. And I can tell you, this is some of the embarrassing part for me, but I can tell you I'm not a crier, but I was crying so hard that the tears were actually falling onto the, the sheets that I was sitting in. It's been a long time since I've cried like that. A long time. I haven't cried like that. I, didn't, I can't remember when the last time I was that I cried like that. To where, you know, as men, we allow our, our tears to well in our eyes and then we wipe them before they fall. There was no, none of that. It was just free-flowing. I was thankful I was the only one awake in the room. Lord didn't know what was going on. And I know it was God moving on me and saying, you need to be overwhelmed by me. But here's the interesting part. I, very, I thought very little of myself, even though I knew it was God just pressing my heart, squeezing it. You know, just squeezing it. And I was like, man. But the only people I could think of when God was doing that, this might freak you out, was all of you. Your faces and your names were going through my heart and my mind for an hour and a half. All of you. I kid you not, all of you were right there. And what I knew at that moment from God was that God was not just asking me to be overwhelmed. But God is asking all of us, all of you, to be overwhelmed by him. Do I know what that exactly means? No. He didn't give me the six-step plan. But he did tell me that you need to be overwhelmed. And I wanted to share that with you. Because I know God absolutely demanded of me to share it with you today. He knew it was not going to be comfortable for me. But he said, you need to do it anyway. So I don't know what it's going to be like for you. But you need to be overwhelmed by God. Some of you have been playing with God. Some of you have been just thinking maybe you believe in him. All this kind of stuff. And, and my question to you is, will you allow God to overwhelm you? With his love, with his power, with his grace, with his forgiveness, with his, with his guidance, with everything that is God. I was overwhelmed on Monday. And I've been overwhelmed since. I've been crying every day this week. And I, I'll tell you what, if it's a new normal, I'm going to look weird all the time. <laughs> but you know what? I can tell you I've never felt more right. And my hope and my, my desire, and I know God's, is for you to feel that same way. Is to experience that power, that love that only he can give. So here's what I want to do. We're going to end a little different. We're going to play a song here in a minute on the video. As you might imagine, overwhelmed. <laughs> and like I said, some of you, this might be a little bit weird because this is a very intimate song. This talks about God's love. It talks about God's beauty. It talks about being overwhelmed by Him. 
And my hope is that he does that for you today. In fact, God has promised to me that he's going to do that for some of you. I don't know who. I didn't get the names and like, okay, these five people or whatever. I just know that God promised to me that he will overwhelm you if you want. If you want him to. So I hope that right now that you're willing to do that. So what I want, ladies, go ahead and uh, I want you to pass out these cards. Everybody's going to get a card. I want you to get this card. And I want you to look at this card. This is simply a card that has the commitments that I just talked about on. The challenges that I just mentioned to you. Listen to me. Hear hear me out on this. You're not going to want to do this. Because it means you're going to have to do this. But I want you to write these things down. I had, to, I had to type these into my computer to make sure that I would follow up with these. I had to tell my wife so that she could keep me accountable. And guess what? Now all of you know, so you can keep me accountable to this. How's not watching TV for you so far? <laughs> you can ask me and I'll answer. I promise you that. I want you to write down what you're going to give up. I want you to write down what you're going to add in. I want you to write down who you're going to invite, whether it's one, whether it's ten, whatever it is. And then notice there's a fourth thing on there. I want you to write down who you're going to tell. Who are you going to tell who's going to keep you accountable to this? Because that's important. Because if somebody's not keeping you accountable, let's be honest. I know who I am couple weeks, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to be like, man, I've been without TV for two weeks. Right? We just, we, we slip back. So who are you going to tell who's going to keep you accountable? Who's going to call you out and say, hey, how are you doing on those commitments? So we're going to play the song. You can close your eyes. You can pray. I want you to write. I want you just to consider, allow this song and allow God to just work on you. Do your best to open your heart wide open to God and allow him to overwhelm you. And then afterwards, I'm going to come up and I just want to pray a prayer of blessing that God does that for us. You good with that? Let's worship with this song. Just stay seated. Allow God to work.